That is good stuff right there. That is our crew who went down to Rocky Point and built home, uh, built that home, and we continue to do that on a regular basis. And so if you ever hear of our uh, next opportunity to go to Rocky Point, I encourage you to not miss that. It's a great Great experience. Uh, welcome once again, everybody. My name is Alan. Glad that you're here. And so I want to start by inviting you with, to participate with me a little bit. All right? Would you kind of stretch and loosen up a little bit? I'm not going to ask you. There we go. I'm not going to ask you to do anything uh, too scary, but I am good. good. Stretch the arms a little bit. I'm going to ask you to raise your arm on a few questions, okay? Okay. 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 I'm going to ask you a question, and if that's you, yeah, okay, just settle down. Okay, no, uh, it's awesome. You're totally ready. Okay, I want you to raise your hand if you are tall. Tall? Tall, okay, good, 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 about half, all right. Raise your hand if you are artistic, okay? Might have a little flair to you, okay, on this one. Great, thank you, good. Raise your hand if you are athletic. Okay. This is Awatuki. It's almost everybody here in the room. Okay. Okay. Raise your hand if you are rich. Rich. Okay. All right. Did you get that? You get them? Okay. Good for you. A lot fewer hands on that last one. That's a little tricky, right? I mean, that last one is kind of in a different category than some of the other ones. I mean, it's easier to say, you know, who's tall, who's athletic, who is artistic. And so it's easy to do that because you just kind of decide if you are on the upper end of a group of people around you. Would you are you going to be on the top 50% in that particular area? So am I taller than most? Do I complain more than others about airplane seats? I would have to say most definitely yes. Am I more artistic than most? Am I more athletic than most? Would I put myself on the upper end of that? But how do we address the question of rich? How can we know whether or not we are rich? Who are we comparing ourselves with? I mean, is it a comparison with other people in your same field of work, of what you do, what you do with your time? Is it uh, comparing yourself with others in your community that you find yourself living in right now? Is it comparing others here in Phoenix, in the United States, around the world? How do we determine who is rich and who is not? This morning, I want to take a look at one verse, and it's written by a guy named Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. 2,000 years ago, Paul is coaching young Timothy, and he begins this verse that we're going to look at a little bit later, but he begins by saying, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, dot, dot, dot. Now, before I get into what Paul says uh, about what they're, they're to command them to do, who's the rich? Who's going to fit in that category and who's not? How are we going to figure that out? How are we going to determine that? And that's all we're talking about today. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. Father in heaven, thank you once again that we get to gather in this space, that we get to connect with you, that we get to think about things that we don't uh, typically think about 
during the week. God, I pray that you would protect this moment from anything that I would say that is incongruent with your character and your purposes. So, God, would you come and speak here? We are thankful for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this room. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last week, I finished up a two-week series, just a short series on the topic of forgiveness. And what I shared last week was that I was surprised by a new learning on how unpopular the topic of forgiveness is, that, that there's, there, there's a lot of resistance to the topic of forgiveness, that most of us have a group of people in our lives that we have forgiven and will continue to forgive, and then there's a small group of people that we, we just kind of land on, I'm not going to forgive them. I have my reasons, I've thought about it, and I really don't want to talk about it. And there's actually a fair amount of angst and stress about the topic of forgiveness. So I thought, in order to give us a break, I thought this week we would talk about something that is way easier to talk about, money. I mean, you'd much prefer me to talk about money than forgiveness, right? Right? Okay. So the idea this morning is simple. I'm not, I'm not talking about what you do with your money, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about giving, not talking about generosity. I simply want to ask the question, how do we know who's rich and who's not rich? That's it. That's all we're going after today. Are you rich or are you not rich? A friend of mine who's a part of our church, is a leader here in our church, shared with me recently that he asked his kids a question about Proverbs chapter 30, that they were going through this together as a family. Proverbs chapter 30 is a prayer written by a guy named Agur. And we don't know much about Agur. Uh, I have my own a theory that he was just kind of a, an angry person, a girl, uh, and, but that's all I know about him. That's all we know about a girl. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, simply says this, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. This is, a, this is a profound couple verses here in the book of Proverbs. There's this question of, God, help me to not be rich, so rich that I think I no longer need you. And God, help me to not be poor where I'm angry at you. Help me to not be so rich or so poor. Help me to be just content somewhere in the middle. And so then my friend asked his kids, said, okay, there's two pieces here. There's, there's the rich or the poor. Kids, would you tend to lean toward the rich or the poor? Which one would you tend to lean toward? So the kids assembled for a little bit and talked about it, conversed among themselves. And uh, they really did think about it. And then they came back and said, we're going to go with poor. We're going, to go, we're going to lean on the poor side. And so it led to a conversation in their family to say, well, why would you say that? And where does that coming from? And why do you feel poor? And some of the thoughts that came around that is this idea that, that there are a number of things that they would like to do that they don't get to do because mom and dad says, we, 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 can't, we can't do that. We can't afford that. We're not going to go out for dinner. We're not going to buy that item, etc." Uh, we're not going to do that, we're not going to own that, or whatever, that they felt, what, what um, 
my friend had kind of pulled out of them is that their experience is that they, they get more no's than yeses from their parents, which is good. It's good parenting to say no. And so they're getting more no's than yeses, and so that feels like they lean towards poor. That's a, that's a profound conversation. First of all, if you have kids, you know, this is, a good conver- this is a good kind of conversation to have with your kids, that if you're reading Scripture and there's something that you stumble on or some, something that is interesting to you, why not bring it up with the family? Why not that, let that be the, the conversation at the dinner table? Our kids, even young ones, can handle a theological conversation better than we think they can. So it's a good thing to just say, let's talk about Scripture. I'm not trying to force something down your throat. I just want to talk about it with you. Okay, so if you do have kids and you had a conversation like this with them, where would they lean? Would they say, we feel more rich or we feel more poor? Well, what about you? What about you? Would you say that you feel more rich or poor? How would you respond to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9? Do you feel rich? Have you ever felt rich? This week I just kind of reflected on times when I have felt rich and the time as I look back on the years, the time that I felt most rich was way back when I was 10 years old and I got my first check for delivering papers. I had two paper routes when I was 10 years old and I got my first check for $212. $212 for a 10-year-old, and it was all mine. I could do whatever I wanted with it. I mean, this, this was freedom. This was, this was incredible. This is all mine. It has my name on it, and I have no expenses at, at that point. $212. Now, what I did with it is I put it all in the bank, and it stayed there for a number of years, but that's my own dysfunction, and we can talk about that at another time. But I did put it in there and kind of move forward with that. But it's this, it's this uh, reality that this idea of feeling rich is not connected to the number of zeros in our bank account or in our portfolio. There's something else going on that we can have a, a discrepancy on numbers or what that looks like, uh, and, and some can feel rich and some cannot feel rich. There's something else happening here. Here's what I've come to believe Most of us here in this church, in this culture, most of us think we're not rich, but we are. Most of us are not going to raise our hand. Most of us think we're not rich, but we are. We hear a verse like the one I'm going to take a look at that Paul writes to young Timothy. Again, it starts with the words, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. We hear that phrase and we think, that's right. Those rich people better listen. And we look around in our, in our seats and we look around and we say, he's rich. Oh, I know she's rich. Everybody in the skyboxes, they are filthy rich up there. have those big seats up there. And so it's a real natural thing to just kind of think that they must be talking about somebody else. Well, how do we know who's rich? Well, one way to know who's rich, and there's actually scientific support for, for this in terms of how, what makes people feel rich, is the notion that, that people who are rich are the ones who make twice as much as we make. 
It's just kind of a, it's a relativity thing. That if you make $25,000 a year, the rich are those who make 50000 or more. That's, that's the line of not rich and rich. If you make $50,000 a year, the rich are those who make 100000 or more. If you jumped back, depending on your, your age and status of life, it's, of course, but if you jump back 10 or 20 years to a point where you made half as much as you currently make, if you went back at that point and asked that person that if somebody made as much as you make right now, would you consider that person rich? And most likely you would say yes. And so something happens over those 10, 20 years and, and the, it's an elusive line, the rich line. The more we make, the more the rich line keeps moving ahead of us. So what makes someone rich? Here, here's, here's what makes someone rich. Rich people have their own car. That they, they got to church this morning with their own car that has gas in it and it's insured and it started up this morning. Filthy rich are people who have a room built either onto their house or right next to their house that is for the purpose of housing that car. And it has a big door on the front just for the car or even multiple cars. Rich people are people who have a smaller room inside the house whose purpose is just to hold extra food. It's, it's just, it's, seriously, this happens. There's a room that has extra food, and sometimes there's so much food in it, they forget the food that's in there and have to go throw the food away because <laughs> they forgot how much food was in this room that's for extra food. Filthy rich are people who go to this place, and uh, they go and they sit down, and somebody else makes the food for them, and then afterwards, somebody cleans it all up after the thing. It's called a restaurant or something. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> they say, they say, you can, you can look up a number of different websites uh, with this kind of stuff. That this is a conservative number, okay? That if you make more than $35,000 a year, then you are in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. You can look at other websites and they'll probably go even higher than that. And so it's a conservative number to say you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now I know that there are some here who are, who are having serious financial struggles. I, I understand that because we're a church and, and part of our connection with you and with the community is we get calls having to do with financial needs. And we have a whole benevolence plan and program here that is, that is funded by your generosity so that we can help people at certain parts and seasons of their life. We get those calls. We're a church. We rarely get calls midweek where people just say, hey, just want to let you know I got a raise and everything's going great financially. We don't get those calls. And so I understand there are some of you here who are having significant financial struggles. But most of us think we're not rich, but we are. For the most part, here in this room, here in this community, we think we're not rich, but we are. I want to, before I get to the verse 
that Paul writes Timothy. I want to just address the title of the message uh, this week. It's a short two-part series, just this Sunday and next Sunday. The title is Be Rich. And the title is actually stolen slash borrowed from a teacher named Andy Stanley from Atlanta, Georgia. And I just think this is such a profound concept that we spend so much of our time trying to get rich, so much of our time and energy and passion around how can we work things out so that we can make more money, so we can get rich, so that we can cross the line from pre-rich to rich. We spend so much time trying to become rich whatever that means, whatever line that, that, that might be. Well, what if we actually are rich? Instead of spending all this time trying to become rich, what if we spend some time trying to be rich, trying to live and be generous and think about the needs of others as people who are rich? Instead of trying to become rich, what if we are rich? I mean, I don't need to become a father, I am one. I've been one for a number of years. What I need to do is focus on being a father. What are the decisions I can make to be a good dad? I don't need to become a husband. I, I, I'm, I got that. For 21 years, I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've got that one taken care of. And so now my question is, how can I be a husband? I don't need to become a follower of Christ. How can I be a follower of Christ? And so the question is, what is it going to take for us to feel rich? Because we are the top 5%, most of us here in this room are the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. And so how can we feel rich as opposed to the alternatives? Instead of feeling rich, some of us feel guilty. Some of us who have resources feel guilty. Sometimes we... We, we have a lot, and then we learn about what Scripture has to say about the poor, and we realize what's going on in other parts of the world. And so there's this guilty feeling, who am I to drive a new car? Who am I to have a, a garage in which to put my car? Who am I to be able to go to a restaurant anytime? I can go to any restaurant in the city here if I wanted to. Who am I to, to, to do that? And sometimes our head spins with that. We feel guilty. Or on the other end of the spectrum, we either feel guilty or we feel greedy and we want more. Who am I to drive a 15-year-old car? Why don't I get to drive a brand new BMW? And so there's a comparison. Why don't I get to have what my neighbors have? Why don't my kids get to have what their friends have at school? And so... So we either feel guilty or we feel greedy. How about instead of feeling guilty for having too much or greedy for not having enough, what about just being rich? What about just being who we are and having what we have and saying, God, what do you want to do with what you've provided for me? That we would be grateful for what God has provided and mindful of what others need around the world. Okay, do you feel rich? Because Paul writes to Timothy in a book called First Timothy, in chapter six of that book, deep in the New Testament. First Timothy chapter six, 
as he's wrapping up this letter to young Timothy, he says in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Paul starts this off. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. First of all, he says, not to be arrogant. Nobody likes arrogant. I've never heard someone say, Bill is arrogant, but in a good way. I've never heard that phrase used. There is no good version of arrogant. And so what is arrogant? Arrogant is not believing that you're better at something than somebody else. That's not what arrogant is. Just because you believe you're better at something than someone else, it doesn't make you arrogant. I am a better hockey player than most people in our church. I'm not the best. I'm not the best. I'm confident there are a number of you who are better than me, but even at my age, I'm better than most of you all. I'm, I'll just say, I can just, that's not arrogance. That's the truth. That's just what that is. And so we can, we can, I'm better than 50% of you. I can say that. There's confidence is okay. It's okay to know that you're good at something. You're good at math. You are good at, at taking care of people. You are good in the area of medicine. You are good in the area of engineering. You are good as a teacher. You are good at something. You are good as an artist. It's okay to say that. Confidence is not being arrogant. It's good to be confident. Arrogance is when we think that because we're good at something, we have more value than somebody else. Arrogance is when we, have, we feel like we have greater value or more importance than somebody else. And it's very important for Paul to say this through Timothy, to say, address those who are rich, to not be arrogant. Because there's a tendency for those who have more to think they are more valuable or more important. That we connect wealth with value. We connect self-worth with net worth. And so there's, there's some kind of, of connection there. So Paul wants to make it very clear to the rich, to the 5% wealthiest in the world, that you are not more important, you do not have greater value than the people in Rocky Point for whom we build homes. It's okay to be rich. It's okay to have more than others in the world. it's, It's okay. But don't let that allow you to think that you are more valuable, more important than others. It says at the end of that verse that God provides for our own enjoyment. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. Enjoy it, but don't let it turn you arrogant. And then he says another thing. He says, don't, don't be, do not be arrogant and do not put your hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's there's so much there in just those couple phrases comparing wealth and God. And I just really want to pinpoint this idea of hope. Where does your hope come from? That when we have 
an area of our life where we're, where we're struggling, something bad happens or we have a fear that something bad is going to happen, most of us put our hope in a situation like that and what we believe is the most powerful thing. When something bad happens or we believe something bad is going to happen, we put our hope in what we think is the most powerful. Who's gonna have the most power over this situation? And for some, it naturally lands on self, that I'm the one in charge. I'm the one who makes decisions. I'm the one who's gonna pull myself out of that situation. I'm the one who got me into that. I'm the one who's gonna get myself out of that. I am the most powerful being in my life. And so I'm gonna rely on myself. We put our hope in what we think is most powerful. And people over the ages have put different things in that place. For some, it might be nature. Nature is the most powerful entity. And so when I'm struggling with life, I just want to go out into nature, see the majesty of the mountains or the canyon, and I'll just kind of, just kind of absorb that strength. Others might say that it's the government that it's the government that has the ultimate power. And so my fears about my future economy or my nest egg or whatever that might be, I'm putting my hope in the government to make sure that everything's gonna be okay. We put our hope in whatever we think is most powerful. And different civilizations have put their hope in different things. For example, the Egyptians, they believed that the sun god Ra had the most power. So they put their hope in the sun god Ra. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Obi-Wan Kenobi put his hope in Anakin Skywalker. And that didn't go so well. So he got a new hope, and he put that in Luke Skywalker. We put our hope in what we think is most powerful. Scripture says, 2,000 years ago, it understands the human mind, understands the human heart, and Scripture says 2,000 years ago that there are two things that, that, that challenge that top spot the most two things that are the most likely to be in that top spot, the most powerful things in the world, God and money. God and money. Either we're going to say that money has, is the most powerful thing in the world, so I'm going to put my hope in money. That's what Paul talks about here in this verse. Or we're going to say God is the most powerful entity in the world, and I'm going to put my hope in God. Jesus himself says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot put more than one thing in that top spot. It's, it's either God or money, Jesus says. So again, when things do not go well, or we have fear that things are not going to go well, what do you put your hope in? What do you believe has the greatest power in your life, God or money? What do you believe has the greatest power power to pull you out of whatever hole you're in, whatever emotional, physical, spiritual pit you feel like you're in. What is the greatest power to pull you out? And who would you say is more likely to get confused with the power of money, those who have money or those who don't have money? This is really interesting. Jesus was so clear on this that the people who are more likely to struggle with the power of money in their lives are those who have it and can use it and can hide behind it. That's why Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
you don't have a lot of the things that are going to trip up those who are rich. And elsewhere, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone of wealth to make it into the kingdom of God. Jesus was was super clear with this. It's okay for you to be rich. It's okay. In fact, I would say you are rich. Celebrate that. Enjoy that. Again, don't be guilty about that because it was given to you by God anyway. It was a gift from God. We don't normally feel guilt when our parents give us a nice gift. We were grateful. Wow, thank you. But may we not let that gift either make us think we're more valuable than somebody else or that we start to think that that wealth is more powerful than the God who provided it in the first place. So let let me just wrap up here. Wherever you want to go, if you want directions for a place that you want to go in life, you need to know the destination of where you're headed and you need to know where you are. You need to know both the, the, the destination and where you are. If you want to talk to Google Maps or Siri and you want directions to go somewhere, you have to let them know where you are right now so they can provide you with the pathway, that, with the directions that, that head over there. As you think about the man, the woman that you want to be and the pathway, how do we get there? You need to know where you are. Are you rich? And let me just tell you, you are. You are. You are of the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. You live in Ahwatukee and Chandler and Tempe and Maricopa and Phoenix. You live here in this area. We are the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. You are rich. I want to I wrap up by doing something. I had participation on the front end. I'm going to have participation again on the back end. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to say a phrase. In fact, I'm going to say three phrases And I want you to think about those phrases. So it's going to be quick. It's going to be quick action on your end. I want you to think about the phrase. And if you believe it, say it out loud. Okay, so you got to go quick. Don't just say the words. It's not a repeat after me. I'm not forcing you to do anything. I want you to think about it. They're not going to be complicated phrases. Think about it. If you believe it, say it out loud. And and if you don't believe it, just, just, just politely close your mouth. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give me a grumpy face, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't need any of that. Just if you don't believe it, that's fine. You just say, I'm not on board with that phrase. That's fine. But if you are on board with it, say it out loud. And I won't watch your faces. I won't watch to see who's not mouthing it, okay? Okay, this is a safe place here. But I want you to, I'm going to even close my eyes so I'm not looking at any faces. I want you to think about the phrase, if you believe it, Say it out loud. I have more than I need. I have more than most. I am rich. That wasn't that hard. Let me, let me do it again. Let me do it again. I have more than what I need. I have more than most. I am rich. rich. Now, some of you, you walked into this room 
an hour ago, and you didn't think that you were rich. And now here, you've just admitted the reality that you are rich. You're going to leave this place going, I'm rich. You go tell your friends what happened in church today. We're going to have an explosion here next Sunday. You just go, I went to church, and now I'm rich. Boom. See how easy that is? Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what it means to act rich. We talked about feeling rich. Do I feel like I'm rich? Next week, we're going to, what does it mean to act rich? If we are rich, what does it mean to be rich? How can that impact how we live life? We're going to take a look at that next week. I'm excited to do that with you. Before we head out, let me pray for you one more time. Father in heaven, I, I am thankful for the ways that you lavish love on us. As this verse says that you, it is with great enjoyment that you as our Father give these beautiful gifts to us. Thank you for our cars. Thank you for the homes we get to live in. Thank you for the, the items we get to enjoy, for the places around the world that we get to go travel and see. God, thank you for providing those things to us. May we not feel guilty about every dollar spent, but be thankful that it is provided for us. And God, I pray that you would teach us this week, next week, how to, how to be rich, how to enjoy what you've given, and how to love others in a profound way. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.